Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old School Grit, New World Ideas, Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. I'll be one of my friends who's trying to make some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to teach and educate. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. The Doomsters, well, guess what? They lost again. They forget this is a market that wants to be bought badly. Bye, bye, bye! Especially when you get a sudden dip or the averages are oversold as they were. That's essentially what happened here with the Dow rebounding 237 points. Today, yes, to be jumping 1.32%. NASDAQ pole voting 1.8%, pretty much way back to where it was before Friday's sell-off. Now, Grant, the Dow and the S&P didn't go all the way back, and it's almost inconceivable that a country as large as ours doesn't already have someone walking around with the Omicron variant, the one that looks to be more infectious, not necessarily dangerous, but infectious than Delta, although it may not be more deadly. I think there could be some more selling when we get a new victim in this country. And that's because our markets have a bad history of reacting poorly anytime someone gets hospitalized with a new variant in this country. So our optimism is obscure. We convince ourselves that we're invulnerable, then something reminds us that we're not, and stocks temporarily get slammed. Remember when the previous administration repeatedly told us that things were under control and COVID was contained, and then it wasn't, and then bingo. The good news for the bulls is that now we know better. The bad news is that a lot of people seem to assume that we can go right back to normal because Omicron might not be as bad as we thought when stocks were selling off last Friday. I think it's somewhere in between. I wish I could say the same, but not a single authority I know is actually making that more bullish argument. The only analyst I saw who was willing to go there for a moment is John Ion Hotzius from Goldman Sachs, a very fine analyst who laid out four scenarios, two of which were positive, one of which was uber positive. So what is the right way to approach the Omicron strain? I'm glad you came to me. Because I think what I want to do is go clinical. What I've learned to do through this whole scenario is rely on science. And that means relying on Pfizer, which, by the way, stock was down today, seemed attractive to me, and Moderna. Now, we heard from Dr. Albert Bourla, CEO of Pfizer, and Stéphane Bancel, CEO of Moderna, this morning on Squawk. I found myself thinking, I sure hope these two people win Time Magazine's Person of the Year because they're amazing. Borla reassured me that Pfizer not only has something in the works for Omicron, they also got some antiviral that you can take when you get sick, and if they can pump that thing out by the tens of millions, which I think they can, well, then we're going to be a lot less fearful, a lot more buoyant. 
As for Bancel, he plans to be the first out of the gate with the vaccine for this strain, just like he was the first out of the gate in 2020, when everyone was dumping stocks left and right. I trust these two gentlemen as much as I distrust the people running the World Health Organization, the CDC, the FDA, and the NIH, a veritable alphabet soup of experts who seem like they're actually in way over their heads. When I say trust the science, that doesn't mean buy the science, and it doesn't mean buy the stock market, but it most certainly means do not panic. Once again, do not panic. Those who panicked and sold in the maelstrom that was Friday were already, already, they, they got a kick me sign on their forehead, on their back, whatever it is, because, man, they regret it. I think we heard one loud shoe drop Friday, and we're still waiting for a softer shoe. That's what will fall when the CDC recognizes probably, uh, look, some mythological plane came here from South Africa six or eight days ago with a bunch of people who likely have the Omicron variant and is now spreading, not unlike what happened in the Netherlands. When we no doubt get hit with a CDC-inspired dip, that's when trusting the science will really come in because it will give you the confidence to buy stocks a second time into weakness. Now, if you stick around, I've got two shopping lists. One list, if you think we're going back to business as usual, that's the so-called buyable dip that we already had. And another list for those who are worried about a slowdown, and that means a buyable dip that's about to happen. Before I get into what you should buy, though, you need to understand one of my cardinal rules, why nobody ever does make a dime panicking. What really occurs? What's the, the schematic that makes it so it, it's always right well, reason number one is good things can still happen, something people always overlook, though that's hard for anyone to acknowledge into the teeth of the selling. The drug companies are using very sophisticated methods these days that allow them to blast out new vaccines and new treatments at an unbelievable blistering pace. Artificial intelligence has r- r- rapidly accept, accelerated the vaccine development process. It takes days, what used to take months or even years to do. Yet the sellers on Friday acted like this new variant somehow had Pfizer and Moderna totally on the ropes, just stumped, even as they hadn't even said anything yet. I mean, that's fear pulling the trigger, not rationality. Second, the governments around the world had to act decisively because most of them were viewed as too slow the first time. However, that doesn't, didn't mean we get the dreaded lockdown here. Even as that was on every seller's breath, my advice gets some listerine. Sure, we'll have more mask mandates, and they'll only be obeyed by people who are already vaccinated. I know. Uh, maybe we'll bring back some social distancing, but if it gets bad enough... An actual lockdown, not in the cards. Please know that, not in the cards. That means we'll likely have a robust market, but it's not the kind of thing that should trigger a huge decline, especially given how oversold stocks were coming in. Hence, no panic. No, don't don't panic. And I don't know how many times I can say it. If I don't, I mean, there's a lot of things that I have to just address in the the investment club. And this is a, a key tenet, as I put out when I did several bulletins on Friday, telling you not to panic. Glad I did that. Third reason not to panic, today's action. Now, we have seen repeated comeback rallies, some which last only to the morning. Others that lasted all day gave you ample prices that were higher than what you got on any, any day one of the sell-off like today. Some of that's just by the dip philosophy at work. But a lot of it comes from recognition, pattern recognition, that the market overshot on Friday because trading was too thin, couldn't handle all the selling. Hey, you know, speaking of thin, let me give you the best, really the best example. And that's West Texas crude. It was around 80 bucks a week ago. Our president led a coordinated round of strategic petroleum reserve sales to tamp the, down the price, no dice. Didn't work at all. Bulls that lapped it up, stocks went higher. But one day of the Omicron variant took oil down to 68. Member of the U.S. government, go buy back that strategic reserve oil. It's good short. Might not go lower. Somehow, despite the repeated irrationality of oil, remember when it traded at negative prices last year? I mean, what was that? If crude gets clubbed, then the market still goes down with it. The idea, the idea is, is that oil is a good barometer for the broader economy. But that's only true in general terms. 
on a day-to-day basis, oil is more of a barometer measuring how long or short the futures traders are, which is almost entirely divorced from how much oil we're pumping out of the ground and, more importantly, the demand side, how much we're using. I say forget oil prices as a tell. The oil stocks are the real tells, and they barely got hit at all. Final reason I don't want you to panic, final reason why panic doesn't work as a method of investing, there's no systemic risk. Look, there are rare moments, like in 2008, when the fate of the republic, or at least the Western financial system, was held in the balance, and this politician seemed totally clueless. There was a real threat to the banking system, one that might have laid waste to the bond market and to your paycheck, possibly taking out the whole financial industry, including your ATM, if then-Fed Chief Ben Bernanke hadn't done exactly what J-PAL did early last year. He said we aren't going to let any big institutions fail. If Bernanke had simply said that a few months earlier, we probably could have avoided a lot of pain and heartache, but he thought it was like overstepping his bounds. This time, thankfully, we've got a Fed chief who's not asleep at the wheel, who's much more creative. We won't let this new variant knock things off kilter. Not that President Biden would allow that to happen either, although only one of these guys seems completely in charge and unfazed by events. And it's not the guy in the Oval Office. That's it. Kudos to Biden for working on the supply chain. Makes my job easier. I'm sick of talking about it. Bottom line, the last two sessions were yet another demonstration that panic is not a strategy for you. It's not a strategy at all. Am I worried about the Omicron variant? Sure, I'm not an idiot. But we've seen this movie before, and we know how it ends. Let's go to Bill in New Jersey, please. Bill. Yes, Jim. My question is, what will GE offer current shareholders when it becomes three independent companies? Oh, boy. I'll tell you, Bill, a lot of people now... I do not like this breakup. I think that's wrong. I think people didn't like the combination either. What you need to see is you need airlines to do well, and that's not going to happen with this with Omicron. You need to see the power business doing better, and I don't know what it's going to take to get that better. And you need to see healthcare doing well, and I want a piece of healthcare. I would buy that particular aspect of the company immediately. So what you have is you got three plus three equals, uh, you know, well, you got one plus one plus one equals three. And I think that people felt one plus one plus one is equal to four, and that didn't happen. I'd hold on to GE here. I think Larry Culp's doing a good job. Let's go to uh, CEO. Let's go to Dominic in New York. Dominic. Hey, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. Happy holidays, and thanks for all your help. Right back at you. What's going on? With the holiday season rapidly approaching, what are your thoughts with FedEx? All right. Now, today there was a nasty downgrade of a stock I like very much, which is UPS. Why do I say it was nasty? Because right here we had Carol Tomei on. Well, of course, it was via Zoom. And she was saying, listen, we're not going to miss for Christmas. Yet some guys still felt heartless enough to take Grinch to her. I'm not a Grinchitis. I don't, I don't have that disease. I think UPS and FedEx would do well. By the way, I think Fred Smith is good. He certainly, I mean, got the edge of, you know, his son is the coach of the Falcons. I had Patterson going yesterday. I love the Falcons. Anyway, look, look at the Doomsters lost again, okay? Just more proof that panic always fails. You must believe in that concept, even if you don't believe in what I'm saying here. Panic, not a strategy. On Man Money tonight, the Omicron variant wreaked havoc on the markets at the end of last week. So, I mean, do you want to brace for a slowdown or not? I'm going to reveal a list of stocks that are worth buying if you think so. Then on the other side of the coin, I'm giving you some names to watch that could benefit from the quick snapback that already started today. And amid Cyber Monday, can we please go to the biggest proponent of digitizing small businesses? Find out whether Black Friday was as bad as they think. I bet you it wasn't. Don't miss my exclusive with Shopify and stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. 
Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Looking for a rewarding, life-changing opportunity that enhances the lives of children in your community? With almost 50 years of experience, Huntington Learning Center is the nation's leading K-12 tutoring and test prep franchise. Dedicated to shaping brighter futures for our students and franchisees, Huntington is the top revenue-producing supplemental education franchise in the U.S., an outproven system is the key to success for you and your students. The Huntington Advantage includes low startup cost, turnkey systems, dedicated support teams, national and local marketing support, and multiple revenue streams to help you build a life-enriching and profitable business. No education experience needed. In today's environment, the need for tutoring has never been greater. When you become part of Huntington Learning Center, you're filling an urgent need in the growing $5 billion supplemental education industry. To learn more, visit HuntingtonFranchise.com. Make a meaningful difference, pursue your dreams of business ownership, and be a positive force in your community. Don't wait. Visit HuntingtonFranchise.com today. Don't fear a shutdown. Fear a slowdown. As I said at the top of the show, a shutdown is just off the table. But an Omicron-induced slowdown replete with dreaded masks and social distancing from where we were just a week ago is much more likely. So what do we do in a slowdown situation? Like I say every night, there's always a bull market somewhere. And in a slowdown, there's a whole bunch of them. See, a slowdown might be bad news for a host of industries, and it will be, but it's driven for what we call secular growth stocks. That's the stocks of companies that don't need a strong economy in order to thrive. The most obvious examples are the cloud software stocks, because businesses won't stop migrating to the cloud, even if the economy takes a hit. Hence why the tech-heavy Nasdaq roared today and got all the way back to where it was. If you didn't know any better, Friday didn't occur. Now, that means our number one Omicron slowdown pick is actually pretty easy. It's like the purloin letter. The stock is Amazon. And by the way, it had a big and deserved rally today. It shouldn't even been down Friday. This is a company that does well when people are scared to go to the mall. And it does well as more companies embrace the cloud because Amazon Web Services is indeed the dominant player in cloud infrastructure. Plus, as some morning research pointed out, Amazon's a price taker, meaning they can get away with raising prices here. How many of you, how many of you would balk at paying more for Prime. I thought so. Next slowdown winner, Microsoft. And we know their products sold well during the initial lockdown, and that didn't let up during the, the subsequent reopening or the Delta variant panic. I expect continued software upgrades at the enterprise level. Windows 11, here we come. Especially as cyber protection is now paramount and previous versions aren't as insulated against attacks. And there I'm being a gentleman. Plus, we know Microsoft's Azure cloud business has tremendous growth, and they still can't make enough Xboxes, for heaven's sake, to meet the demand. Just ask GameStop. Meanwhile, Microsoft Teams pops up on a, a Windows BC whenever you open it. Nothing sells like systems that you can't get rid of when they're downloaded right to your computer and some stealth upgrade that happened in the middle of the night that I can't stand. And I wear. There is Netflix. This is a nice story, right? Nice soft story that did well in the lockdown. They did shockingly well in the reopening as a terrific new content that brought in new subscribers worldwide. Fourth, how about Alphabet? How about it? This thing is a total juggernaut. It did better than any other FANG stock during the comeback. I bet it will continue its winning ways. 
Uh, the big guys, let's say that leaves out Apple and uh, Facebook is delaying the symbol now for the metaverse. Uh, Apple, I always say own it, don't trade it. But if you don't own it already, now right now you should wait. Wait uh, after this run, it's too dicey to pull the trigger at these levels. I think you'll get a better chance. As for Facebook, now meta platforms, I think it'll do fine, but it's not a true slowdown stock like the others. Beyond big capital works, who else wins in a slowdown? Sometimes you can't overthink it. You have to say the utilities. Now, we're so blessed when we have money to get our regular quarterly lowdown from American Electric Power. The terrific electric utility with a 3.75% yield. Wow, much better than Treasuries. When we spoke to the CEO just a couple weeks ago, he told a good story. And the stock's currently at 83 bucks in the mid-range between its high and its low. Just as important, the Fed won't hit us with a rate hike during a slowdown, which means it's hard to go wrong with AEP. Even though when I walk around that, no one ever says, Jim, thanks for AEP while it's doubled and also give me a great yield the whole way through. What about the other traditional slowdown winners? Uh, well, you know, you got some healthcare plays you got to get into. I like United Health Group, UNH, Dow Stock, because it just reported an excellent quarter. Best in show for the health insurers, yet the stock's still down 14 points from its highs. I still like Centene, but UNH got too cheap after that fantastic quarter. Why not buy some UNH? Oh, go buy. Well, you just go buy a fractional share if it's, these stock prices bother you. Just think fractionally, will you? Now let's get to the crux of what works here, but requires taking a little more risk. The companies that work in a slowdown, yet will turn into pinatas if we beat the Omicron variant too quickly and start hearing about how the Federal Reserve needs to slam the brakes on the economy again or, or mentions the word taper, which I am now banning from the show. OK, I don't want to hear taper ever again. Right. Unless it's involved with a tapeworm with one of my dogs, of which I hope you don't get. First, the home builders. The best reason to buy against the uh, to bet against the home builders, and this is simple, is a rate hike which is now strictly off the table. The man in charge, Fed Chief Jay Powell, has said over and over and over again that until COVID is beaten, it's hard to raise rates. So far, it's been a heck of a lot better than any public health figure about the need to maintain vigilance on the issue. This, the the homebutters thrive in this situation. Plus, they do even better when fear of a new variant is forcing businesses to let people continue working from home or now starting to really go home. Hey, I'm getting a lot of millennials who are saying, listen, my boss called me and said, I want you to come in. I told the boss to take a hike. I never told any boss in my life to take a hike. I always said, win, win. All right, anyway, this may be the variant that breaks the proverbial camel's back on remote work, right? I mean, we're not going, we're not going back to the office. The office is, is, is dead. It's, it's Omicron Center, which is uh, more infectious, obviously, even if it might not be more lethal. So here we go. In other words, people aren't going back to the office, and many of those who were renting or thinking of leaving are now going to move to the suburbs of the country and buy. They can start looking for a house and get something by the spring, which will position them well for the next school year. Now, the number one home builder in terms of stocks is pretty easy, actually. It's Lenar. It's giant. Lenar, which put up spectacular numbers with a stock that's been unrelenting. It is up more than 40% for the year, though it's down seven from its high. That's the opportunity. We're now in the part of the year where the cliche winner's win takes over the whole market. Money managers want to show their investors that they were in the best home building stocks, and that was Lenar. I was more concerned about Lenar before the variant because I feared rates going higher. I don't now. Along the same lines, Toll Brothers is up 48% and only a few bucks from its high. They've repeatedly told me that this is the best they've ever seen the housing business. Keep in mind that comment came during the great reopening. Toll is a nice mix of nationwide aspirational homes and a fantastic land bank. CEO Doug Yearly. Masterful manager. Second high-risk Omicron winner? If you're working remotely, then guess what? You need a secure home office. Only Palo Alto Networks, PNW, is a one-size-fits-all solution. Again, this cybersecurity kingpin just reported terrific quarters, so no guesswork necessary. One of the great things about where we are right now is we just got all the quarters, so they can't screw them up. You want to go riskier? Oh, you can go to retail. 
which has run up on a reopening spike. But there are three retailers that can make out like bandits here if we get a COVID-induced slowdown. I'm talking about Home Depot, Lowe's, and tractor supply. All three reported dynamite earnings, although initially Lowe's got left behind before the market reconsidered the quarter. The stock came back. While Lowe's has finally caught up, I think it's still cheaper than Home Depot because CEO Marvin Ellison has more blocking and tackling to do before Lowe's is as good as Home Depot, especially when it comes to attracting professional contractors uh, as customers. As for tractor supply, all right, we don't have the right selling season for this rural-focused chain. That, that's the spring. But betting against this monster has been pure idiocy because it is the only real play on people not just moving to the suburbs, but going full-time Zoom land, which is the country. Tractor supply has the benefit of not yet being discovered by snobbish money managers. They take one look at the parking lot and don't see a Benz or a BMW or a Tesla. Ah, They assume there's no buying power. Of course, in reality, they won't even go look at the parking lot. It's too far outside Manhattan. Final risk taker, I'm going all in now. I'm going with Williams-Sonoma. Now, we happened to hear from the great Laura Albert, CEO, just two weeks ago when we were in San Francisco. And we know the last quarter reflected continued strong sales as the home as office thesis plays out, as well as new business to business kicker. At a bonus, bizarrely, it's the cheapest stock of the group has come down since it reported. Bottom line, these are the slowdown winners. But if you think that's too negative, OK, I got a bunch of quick bounce plays after the break. Let's go to Betsy in California. Betsy. Hey, Jim. Good to hear from you again. Ah, um, thank you, Betsy. <laughs> yeah, I, I have your action alerts, and I've been following you for years and years. Jim, here's my question. Um, second home sales are up 42%. Actually, in California, they're up even more than that, which is surprising to me, but they are. And, and large items in terms of um, home buyers are up. Forty-two percent. Okay. Given given that given that, is it conceivable that RH, whose chart looks horrible, right, can meet the sixteen point seven three percent over the prior third year's results? They haven't missed once, and well, I'm wondering if you think that Friedman can do it. Betsy, I, also, I think Friedman can. The one thing we don't want to do is be trapped by the quarter. I think Friedman's got a five-year trajectory, and buying some now and buying some later makes sense. But buying it now is very good. And what's so great about Action Alerts is that I'm now at CNBC with the CNBC Investment Club. It's a little different. You know how? It's better. All right, the shutdown, we're taking it off the table. But a slowdown is likely. And uh, well, let's just say there's a whole bunch of bull markets in the slowdown. Now, coming up, if last Friday was as bad as it gets when it comes to the threat of Omicron, well, guess what? I'm revealing some stocks, not all of which went up today, that could benefit from a true market bounce, not a one-day wonder. Hey, then on Black Friday, Shopify reported peak sales per minute at 3.1 million across its merchants worldwide. And I'm hearing more about how the company is supporting merchants this holiday season. And we're going to get it right from the company's top brass. Yes, how well Cyber Monday's been doing. And the Omicron variant didn't just spook the markets. There's people all over the world asking the same question. When will this all come to an end? I'm using history as my guide to answer it straightly. And I got to tell you something. Probably some people are going to be outraged. I don't care. Stay okay. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. 
Ask your boss if Canva Magirite is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. I just told you what works if the Omicron variant sends us into slowdown mode. But what if the market barely skips a beat and last Friday, give or take a percent, is as bad as it gets? If the Omicron freakout turns out to be much ado about nothing, first you have to circle back to travel and leisure. I like all the cruise lines, but only one of them is committed to 100% vaccinations, and that's Norwegian Cruise Lines Holdings, NCLH. Bizarrely, its stock has been hammered, and I think you're getting a buying opportunity here. CEO Frank Del Rio has already brought on the best doctors. He's taken on the governor of Florida in the name of passenger safety. Best of all, Norwegians got the reservations, and because you can't get on their ships without being tested, it's the safest place to be. I mean, come on, this was the ultimate reopening trade before, and I think it's even better now. Second way to win, American Express, AXP. A little over a month ago, this was $189 stock. Now it's at $157 and change. And that's thanks to both the fintech sell-off and Friday's Omicron beatdown. If you believe this new variant won't really matter to the economy, won't matter how much people go out, then American Express is exactly what you want to own. If you're more risk-averse, you can buy some here and then buy more once we get the first confirmed Omicron cases in America. And yes, the travel stocks sell off again. Third, every single money manager should have an envelope on their desk that says open in case of caseloads going down. When you open the envelope, you see a sign that says buy Marriott. Hence why the stock word today. This is another one where you want to wait for the first Omicron case here because it should have given you a, it should have given you a better entry point. It's already gone up too much. Now, we already know what the pattern looks like. People buy Marriott when they're feeling bullish. They sell it when they're panicking about the pandemic. I think they'll buy it again. And once they realize the lockdown is off the table, it's going to be a go-to name. So wait for the next piece of negative news to generate a pullback that is for, therefore much below here, maybe two or three points. I shouldn't say much. Two or three points below here. And then you can pull the trigger. Fourth, if you think the economy is going back to normal, how about two retailers that had phenomenal earnings just within the last, let's say, uh, 10 trading sessions? Macy's and American Eagle. When Macy's reported that blow quarter, they talked about having a separate business that would be like a curated version of Amazon Marketplace. Who knows where it would live in the organization? Are the Bloomingdale's, a, a Blue Mercury, a separate entity like we had with brick-and-mortar outfits back in 2000? No idea. But I do know this. Macy's had a fantastic quarter, and tourists start coming back to Harold Square. Their flagship store will be making a fortune. This market wants an Amazon without the ads and with a lot more curation, a la Stitch Fix. For all I know, it was the real real and its doppelgangers like Rent the Runway. We all get them in one place. Why? All of these could be Macy's new online marketplace. None of them would cannibalize their core business. I think it would be huge, especially if CEO Jeff Kinnett decides to roll up some of those digital operate operators. Holy cow, this could be a juggernaut. Okay, how about AEO, Market Eagle Outfitters? The apparel chain had the grave misfortune reporting around the same time as The Gap. But they've got a fabulous denim franchise, much better than Gap's, and arguably the most exciting concept at the mall, which is airy. Plus, they've got enough infrastructure to handle any expansion online and offline. Now, you want the PS to resistance? I need you to go read the, pre- the piece by Matt Boss last week about how well American Eagle did versus the Compton, the composition. He, he's a J.P. Morgan, is the best retail analyst in the business. 
And he's got behind this one in a very big way, which means he won't let go until it is much higher, which tends to be what happens when he gets behind a name. That's why I think American Eagle's worth buying. What else works in a world where the new variant doesn't do much damage to the economy? Let's think about what was happening before Omicron. Ford Motor was headed to 23 at the, at the least, because we're getting closer to a future where Ford's the only major competitor to Tesla. Of scale, they would like to say. Regular viewers know I love Tesla, and that hasn't changed one bit. But Ford's got ridiculously cheap stock, and I'm conscious it's about to get re-rated up when the electric F-150 comes out. In the meantime, what's happened since the quarter? Let's see, only a massive refinancing of high-cost debt. That saves a huge amount of money. Uh, And they inevitably sell their stock in Rivian, the newly public electric truck maker, and they're going to make a fortune from that. They can plow it all in. To EV. We own Ford and American Eagle for my travel trust, which you can follow along by joining the CMC Investment Club. Now, we write about these things endlessly because it's important to teach you how to do the research you need when you're managing your own money, which is my goal. I have to tell you, the feedback we're getting from our Boltons and the club in general has been spectacular, and I couldn't be more proud. So just sign up. I've added a lot of new features to my old Trust Chronicle. I'm very excited about them and the work we're doing on these retailers, I think, is spectacular. But now let's focus on the other aspect that the club deals with, stocks we got wrong, where it's already too late to sell. It makes more sense to be patient. One of the things I like about the club, I don't just tell you what's good. That Leave that to other managers. I tell you where I screwed up, and the first is Disney. Now, Disney stock has gone from above 200 when the great reopening trade got rolling in March down to 147 today. We mistakenly started buying it too early in the low 170s. What's happened here? First, the theme parks got derailed by Delta. Then the company came up short on Disney Plus subscribers. I say they're both bad news for Disney stock. But you know what? How bad? That's the question. I mean, does it deserve Bambi's mom's treatment? Has Mickey Mouse become toxic? Has everyone decided to own Marvel Tech and sell Marvel Comics? I say enough already. Will you give me a break here? Is Disney ready to bottom? Oh, I'd be lying if I tried to go that way. Truth is, I got no idea when the pain will stop. I mean, it's a house of pain. It's a mouse house of pain. But when you look back on the moment, uh, this moment a year from now, okay, I know that's, and that's like 365 days from here. Do you really think you'll fa- feel like an idiot for buying Disney down more than 50 points from its high? I doubt it. The theme parks will go back to being full. Same with the cruises. Disney Plus isn't static. They'll figure out a way to draw Netflix-like numbers. Plus, they can fix up ESPN. They just got to make it a gambling destination as well as a sports station. Is that so hard? No. Next one's even more dicey. It's called Wynn Resorts. The Travel Trust put this one, and it's being crushed. And not once, but twice. First from the Delta variant, then from the Chinese crackdown on the wealthy. Remember, the bulk of Wynn's business is in Macau, which is the Las Vegas of China. However, the stock now trades at a level where you're practically getting Macau for free. Maybe you think this valuation makes sense, given that China arrested a criminal who just ran big junkets from the mainland to Macau. But I'm a believer in bargain hunting, and the junket business was never as important to win as it was to the other guys. It's the most popular casino in Vegas. It's the most popular in Macau. At its current valuation, which is $9.6 billion, you're getting Macau for free. So count me in. You can pick up some now and then wait for the inevitable sell-off when we get our first confirmed Omicron, Omicron case in America or China. There's a two for one. Here's the bottom line. I'm not necessarily saying the economy will be able to keep on chugging without overheating. Now we've got a new variant, but it's a real possibility. You need to be prepared for it. But you also have to be ready for when a Nasdaq goes all the way back to where it was Thursday, that there could be some good business owning these stocks. And in Indiana, Ann. Jim, thanks for taking my call. You are quite welcome. What's going on? I just have a question from your note from your investing club from this morning. I don't get why do rates going up 
tell us that the market's not going to lock down, the variant isn't going to stop commerce, blah, blah, blah. I don't get it. No, that's a great question, Ann. And you know what? Sometimes we're too good. We've tried to explain this, and we can never stop explaining it right, which is that if you think the economy is going to reheat, in other words, if the economy is going to get stronger because the variant is going to be put in its place like we did the others, then what happens is the economy resurges. When the economy resurges, there's more demand for money, and therefore rates go higher, interest rates, because that's what money is measured by. And also the Fed can raise rates. So that's all kind of... We should never shortchange that whole food chain. And I promise to work harder for you in the investment club to get that point out as much as I can. I can't say it enough. All right, if the Omicron freakout on Friday is as bad as it gets and the economy keeps on chugging, but it doesn't overheat. Well, now you got the names. Look at these, man. These are like terrific. I'm not giving you the top of market. I'm giving the bottom of market. Anyway, now you got it. Much more mad money, including my exclusive with Shopify. With Cyber Monday in full force, I'm hearing more about how Shopify is empowering merchants this holiday season, including today. Coming stop brands. Then, what's it going to take to get this pandemic in the rearview mirror? I'm giving you my take if the latest developments with the emergence of the Omicron variant. You may not like it. Good. And all your calls, rapid fire, in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. This Omicron variant turns out to be a big deal. You went to own what worked last year during the worst parts of the pandemic. You went on Shopify, the software company that helps small and medium-sized businesses set up their own e-commerce platforms. Now, we know they just had a huge Black Friday, $2.9 billion in sales across their system, up 21% versus last year. That's especially impressive when you consider that this was the first Black Friday on record when total online sales actually declined year over year because we couldn't really shop in person in 2020. Now, Shopify reported a quarter that some analysts regarded as light a month ago, but it didn't really derail the stock because management reiterated the full-year forecast. Still, Shopify's stock is now down nearly 200 points from its high a week and a half ago. Uh, does that make sense? Let's check in with Harley Finkelstein. He's the president of Shopify to get a better read on this holiday and how things are going. Mr. Finkelstein, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim, so great to be here. Always a pleasure to be on your show. See, I'm glad you're here, Harley, because I need you to explain something to me. A lot of people said Black Friday was weak. I look at your numbers, and it may have been weak at the other guys, but it sure doesn't seem like it was weak at Shopify. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite unbelievable, actually. You know, numbers are still rolling in, but my prediction for this Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend is that direct-to-consumer brands and small businesses will actually be the winners. Black Friday certainly set the stage for the weekend. So you mentioned this already. Uh, global sales, we saw $2.9 billion on Friday alone. That's a 21% increase since last year. That's more than double 2019 Black Friday. And so uh, I think, you know, we saw in 2019, merchants crossed a $2.9 billion sales mark for the entire weekend. And on Friday, they did, that, they did that in just one day. Now, Cyber Monday is already off to an amazing start. We don't have final numbers yet, but Shopify merchants have now surpassed last year's sales of $5.1 billion globally. And we've seen peak sales per minute, every single uh, per minute today, as high as $1.5 million a minute or 13,000 orders a minute. So to me, Jim, what, this, what we're seeing here in real time is modern capitalism is on full display. And it's quite clear that consumers' favorite brands are, are now using Shopify. 
If you go to the live map, anyone can check this out. It's datastories.shopify.com. I'm looking at it right now. We're seeing about 1.4 million sales happen every minute on Shopify and about 12.5 thousand orders per minute. And so I think it's clear Shopify merchants are actually outpacing the industry at these astonishing rates, and they continue to do so during the biggest shopping moment of the year. All right, well, I'll ask a logical question. Why doesn't it overload your system, your system breakdown? Look, part of what Shopify does is, is we, we want to be the retail operating system for the future of commerce. And in order to do that, we have to be resilient. We have to make sure that whether you're just getting started at your mom's kitchen table or your homegrown success stories like Allbirds or Figs that are now publicly traded companies, or you're doing some of the biggest flash sales on the planet, you can do all of that with Shopify. And so that's one of the reasons that I think so many people choose us because you can get started with us. But then when you become an incumbent or the leader in your vertical, you can stay with us. It looks like to me, I'm, I shouldn't be surprised because of how good you are, but uh, there are places where I didn't think would be leaders. London, huge. Yeah, we're actually, you know, the way we view the future of retail is, is number one, retail on every single surface area, whether that's on place like TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or Pinterest, or more recently, we announced a partnership with, with Spotify so that, uh, you know, these amazing artists can also sell products. But it's not just necessarily on different surface areas where we think commerce will happen. It's going to happen internationally. We think the future of retail is, is, is going to be default global. The second you hit launch on Shopify, you're able to sell to a global audience. And that's what brands and that's what businesses are going to expect. And you get that on Shopify right now. One of the things I love about your company and you, Harley, is is that when I look at what's top trending, I don't know it. And that to me is the victory. Some of these top trenders that people don't know, you tell us what they are right now. Yeah, so I think, you know, we obviously, uh, we t- you and I love these, these great names like Allbirds or Gymshark, Brooklyn and Bombas, Skims. Those are the brands that have become consumers' favorites. What's also interesting is that we've also seen companies like Lego and Mattel and Spanx and Dockers and Stetson, these very tradi- these traditional brands that are now also coming to Shopify as well. But some of the things that we're watching right now, whether it's Partake Foods, who I brought on uh, the show a couple, couple weeks ago, sure. or companies like Phenomenal or Lively, these are going to to be consumers' favorite brands in the future, and they're all getting started on Shopify. They then become uh, consumer favorites. What's also interesting to understand is because the barrier to success is so much lower and because Shopify provides them with the infrastructure, we're seeing brands able to grow now at paces that have never been seen in retail ever before. You look at Gymshark, for example, this global powerhouse that wasn't around 10 years ago, and now they're rivaling the likes of Nike. That is all happening on Shopify. All right. One last one, Harley. You've got a great piece. This is going to be really helpful because this is from October 2021. And it shows strong competitive marketplace, Amazon 39 percent, Shopify 8.6 percent. If you had to eyeball what you're seeing, do you think you could be uh, take double digits here? Look, we are growing faster than industry as a whole. And that's not just because we we think we have a great product and great piece of software, but because the way retail is going direct to consumer is not a fad. It will be steady state. Consumers, especially as holiday season, are voting with their wallets to buy direct from brands that they love. This idea of conscious consumerism where they want to buy from brands whose values reflect their own, that is happening. That will be steady state. And so we're going to see more and more, I think more market share shift towards independent retail. They're the future. And and as you call it, you know, that's modern capitalism. That's modern commerce. And it's all happening on Shopify. Look, I don't care whether black Friday was up or down. I care about modern capitalism winning, and I know they're winning because I hear and see what you're saying. Harley Finkelstein, you are always a joy. I welcome you on the show show anytime you can be. President of Shopify. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you, Jim. 
Guys, look, we don't nearly necessarily care whether we break records. We care which companies are breaking the records. I like Shopify. Man, money's pecking. Coming up, a storm is coming. So give us a call. Kramer's got the answers to all your burning questions. The Lightning Round is next. It is time! It's time for the And then the Lightning Round is over. Are you ready? Keep that down to the Lightning Round. Let's start with Jeff in New York. Jeff. Hey, hey, Kramer. Booyah! Booyah! What's up? Hi. I've been looking at uh, MTTR, um, a 3D camera. Everybody loves 3D. I've never made any money on 3D. I'm going to have to take a big pass since that stock's already moved too much. Shelly in California. Shelly. Booyah, Jim. Happy holidays. Oh, same to you. I love the holiday season. What's happening? Yes, I'd like to know Oscar Health, O-S-C-R. Oh, jeez. You know, I just, you know, sometimes you need what I call a raison d'etre. I learned that in French class. You don't pronounce the R-E. Debt. And I see no raison debt for this health insurance company. We got enough health insurance companies. We got all we need. I know that sounds callous, but we don't need these guys. Sorry. Let's go to Venkat in Virginia. Venkat. Hi, Jim. Good evening. What's happening? I would like to hear your thoughts about uh, one of my favorite uh, in insurance companies right now, uh, this company called Lemonade. You know, it's a good company. I just actually say this about Oscar, too. These are good companies. Oscar's got great data. Lemonade has got some terrific pricing. But that doesn't make for a great stock, and that's the problem. Oscar's a great company, not a great stock. Lemonade's a great company, not a great stock. I teach on this investment club that there's a difference, and most people don't seem to know the difference. So we have to teach. Let's go to Lee in Washington. Lee. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. How you doing, buddy? I'm having a good day. How about you, partner? Well, it's not raining out here in Olympia, Washington, so I'm happy. I I had not even known that weather report. I get on that. I have to tell my All story. right. Okay. Hey, what are your thoughts on B-N-G-O? Yeah, B-I-N-G-O. And bad stock is my name-o. Uh, there's not much there. There's not much there. And you know what? It's a good spec. Genomic D. I actually like CRISPR. I do. I'm not against the genomics. I like CRISPR. All right, let's go to Joel in California. Joel! Thank you for taking my call. Oh, you're welcome, Joel. We had, we had a nice position in Celgene, and after the mer- merger, we have a nice position in uh, Bristol Myers. It pays a, a good dividend, but what is the outlook for Bristol Myers going forward, and what should one do with their holdings? All right, well, for uh, my travel trust. My charitable trust sold it about 10 points ago. And the reason we did was we just didn't see enough. Uh, I don't want to say excitement. That's wrong. But we just didn't see enough to merit that, that investment over others that we felt in the drug group. And I feel the same way. Uh, I felt it when I was at 2.8% yield. At 3.59, I'm with you, sir. Remember, as stocks go lower that are quality companies, the price means it should be reflecting that it's better better value. And that's how I feel about Bristol now. You don't want to sell Bristol 3.5% yield. I need to go to Roger in Connecticut. Roger! Hey, Jim. First time caller, long time listener. Good to have you. Member of the CNBC. Good to have you. What's up? 
So thanks for educating us on investment strategy, first of all. I believe in education, and today I'm calling about a Thank stock you. I bought in 2015 under your advice. Market cap is about $3.8 billion, P ratio about 15, and price to sell below 5. The stock has seen a robust drop in the last few months, and I need to know from you if it's a buy, sell, or hold. I'm talking about CHAG, symbol CHG. Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to go put my neck in a guillotine and hope not to hear this. I think CHAG is actually a buy here. Okay, I think it's come down enough. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round! The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, how can you protect your portfolio from the cheerless variant variable that's spreading through markets like a Grinch? Kramer expands his list of ideas next. With the new Omicron variant sweeping the globe, how do we finally put an end to this pandemic? How do we save lives and get business back to normal so everybody can put dinner on the table? Simple. The federal government needs to require vaccines, including booster shots, for everyone in America by, say, January 1st. There are still some things that need to be done at a national level, and this is one of them. But as we brace for another wave of new deaths from a virus that has killed more Americans than World War II or even the Civil War, it's time to admit that our government has lost the ability or the will to make our people do the right thing. Nobody wants to be the bad guy. So we've allowed a pastiche of uncoordinated health organizations to dictate an on-again, off-again series of measures that mostly just leave us baffled and confused. We haven't centralized the issue to the point where the White House actually seems to take responsibility. Let's see, first was the CDC, and then the FDA, then the National Institutes of Health, mostly coordinating policy through talk shows. Then we left vaccination policy to individual companies. Now it's toothless OSHA going back and forth on what's allowed in factories, but nobody with any power is saying that frontline workers need to be vaccinated. It's just plain wrong, and most of us are sick of it even as a vocal anti-vax minority is always grabbing the mic. This charade must end. The government must require vaccinations, not of this group or that group, not company by company, not cruise ship by cruise ship or airline by airline or governor by governor. The buck stops at the White House. Some of us are old enough to remember when we were told we had to get a needle stuck into our arms because of some disease that was so scary we we were afraid to talk about it. The disease was called polio. No one knew how you got it, but you were scared to go to a place where anyone might congregate a swimming pool, a park. Then we got a vaccine, vaccine that worked, and President Eisenhower said we would end polio. He pulled it off because he didn't give us any choice. Soon after, as if the needle were too hard, they came up with a sugar cube, uh, they being the scientists at the time, and we lined up and took them too. Mine tasted like maraschino cherries. Yeah, like the Del Monte fruit cocktail my mom served, but only better. Lord knows what happened if you didn't partake, but back then, anyone who refused to get vaccinated would get ratted out immediately because we knew that person could hurt other people. The commonweal was a, a commonweal. Now we're engaged in a similar struggle with COVID, and Eisenhower would be aghast. We have immunocompromised people who are incubators for every variant to come, walking around lawfully unvaccinated? That's psychotic. We have companies that have tried hard to get people vaccinated and now backing down? We have governors who want to be president by grandstanding on a foolish state's right issue? The right to get sick and get other people sick? So it's time to admit that we have to go to war against COVID, 
require vaccination universally. Have the military run it. If you don't want to get vaccinated, you better be ready to prove your conscientious objector status in court. And even then, you need to help in the war effort by staying home until we finally beat this thing. Then you know what would happen? Oh, there would be a new variant in some unvaccinated part of the world. Then someone flies here from there, and some of us will get a flu, and we'll take a pill from Pfizer once it can ramp up its antiviral, and it'll be like influenza. Now, it will kill some, but not many. Maybe 50,000, the average flu deaths for the last decade, not 500,000. Until the federal government gets serious and starts requiring vaccinations nationwide, you better get used to more COVID variant freakouts like we had last Friday. They represent our sorry, no good, all our fault future. And it will keep being our fault until our leaders stop bending over backwards for the not so conscientious objectors. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.